Hello, folks. Welcome to episode 95 of Auto Off Topic. 95? 95. That much closer. Interstate 95. Yes, not to be confused with State Road 128. No. Uh, I'm here with Brad, as always. And uh, I am here as well, yes. Yeah. What? Uh, gosh darn it. I had a correction and I forgot what it was. What did we talk about? Uh, I don't... Oh, it was... I did not do a image post. Okay. For the last episode, so I apologize. You missed a few. Uh, I missed like one before that, but... Um, I don't know. Whatever. If you're listening, you probably subscribe, and that's the best way to know about new episodes is to just subscribe. So, is it Thursday? Chances are pretty good there's a new episode. Yeah, um, but I do we, like to do that. We try uh, to be pretty. Uh, sometimes pretty at the, consistent. At the end of the night, though, I gotta make one, and I'm just too tired after recording, so I don't get to it. But that's uh, that's how the, that's inside baseball. So we don't really care. Or you don't care. Well, we should have plenty of time this week because we're actually recording like two days early because this is the week of the 4th of July. Yeah. So you'll be hearing this if you listen You'll hear it in the normal time. On the 5th. On the 5th, Thursday. But we have so much going on this week with families and friends and everything that, and still working because the knowing that the 4th of July is on a Wednesday, we should observe it on a Monday like Memorial Day. Life would just be easier. Yeah, I guess. Well, why not get a three-day weekend out of it? I don't want to have a two-day weekend and two days of work and a, week, a day off and then two days of work. And it is again. kind of annoying if it's on a weekend day because then you don't get any extra days off. Usually, most places will give you the Monday or Friday in that case. Most places. Yeah. Not all of them. No. But, but most of them. Whatever. Happy birthday, America. Yes. Because um, we're ultra-American around here. Well, I... My talent was built in America. True. You drive a Mopar or no car. I drive a Japanese-built Mopar, yes. You drive a bunch of Mopars or no cars. Yes, but they're all Japanese-built Mopars. So that doesn't count. And a Chevy truck. With an Isuzu engine. <laughs> like a rock. Yes. A good rock, though. Solid as a rock. Um, I don't know. Anything else? Nope. Podcast over. See you later, Done. Andrew. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, you did bring over this chocolate hef- Hefeweizen. I did from Benton Water Brewing right here in uh, the North Shore. Yeah, like five miles from the house. Yeah, probably even less than that. I'd bet actually. It's uh, it's super good actually. Yeah, it's weird because it's a wheat beer, like an unfiltered wheat beer, but it's chocolate. Yeah, so but not a normal beer. You know, it's like an ice cream. I guess it's an after dinner treat. I can go with that. It's cold. It's got like an ice cream kind of flavor to it. Yeah, I dig it. So we're enjoying that. Unfortunately, uh, it's part of their X series, so they'll never make it again once it's gone. I know. That I, I should run out and buy some more. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I'll get into Project Car updates. Oh, what'd you do? Uh, I did set the idle in the Galant that I talked about because I replaced mm-hmm. the idle air control motor. Have you driven it much at all? Uh, I did Saturday. Okay, good. It mostly worked. Uh, I probably should have cleaned the throttle body. I don't know why I didn't think of doing that because the old one that came out was kind of carboned up. Uh, it did idle better right away and then kind of acted up a little bit more. So maybe it needs to be cleaned. Also, it was just like, it was super hot. I mean, 90 degrees on Saturday. So the, um, if the coolant goes like extra warm, even though it wasn't overheating, it just was at running at a higher temperature. Okay. It idles faster to flow coolant. Okay. To help keep it cool. So yeah, whatever. Um, it idles better than they do. I don't think I've ever had a DSM or Galant that idled normal, super well all no. the time. 
I don't think I've ever owned a Mitsubishi that idled super well all the time. They idle most of the time. Yeah. But whatever. Um, I also haven't done any like logs in it for tuning because it's simply too warm. It doesn't make any sense. I yeah, like you, don't wanna, you don't want to tune it for rare conditions. You want to tune it for average conditions. Yeah, you would never get the best performance out of it anyways. So just wait. I'll just wait till it cools off. Maybe if we lived in a tropical location, you'd tune it in this weather. But yeah. We clearly don't, except for right now. Just the air density right now is just not ideal. Yeah, the other day on Saturday when it was 91 degrees out, it was like 72% humidity, so it was just absolutely disgusting out. Speak for yourself. I liked it. But I, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's gross. It's not turbo car weather. No. So that's the, that's the bottom line of that. Unfortunately, our cars are parked during turbo car weather. <laughs> no, I, uh, I've been driving the WRX. Well, yeah, the, in your... Project cars, your fun turbo cars. Oh, the Rex isn't fun. I've gone down a weird path. Yeah. Stopping that. I don't know where you're going. I don't know either. Uh, but you can talk about the Gallant for a little bit and why I've been hustling so hard to work on it. Uh, you know, not really like restoring it because I already put it back together like years ago. Yeah, you already kind of restored it. Uh, just refreshing it. Yeah, it was already, it was running well except for the overheating and the odd knock and timing retard at low, low RPM and load. So I got the the cooling sorted. We talked about that. It's not running warm above the middle, even in these hot days, mm-hmm. which is good sitting in traffic. That was the problem. Wasn't getting enough airflow over the radiator. Right. Well, the, or the hose wasn't connected occasionally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so now I'm finally taking the time to really just kind of polish the car out. All the little things I've ignored mm-hmm. because larger things would come up. Like when the steering rack puked its guts out a couple years ago. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Like, literally, I was putting it away for the winter, and, like, that day, the steering rack, like, blew Let out. Let go, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then the transmission seal let go on the inside of the transmission, so the transmission had to come out to do the seal. Okay. So, just like the Sapporo. Yep. Except uh, this is a superior manual transmission. Yeah, well. Yeah. Beggars can't be choosers. No. Um, Again, find me a cluster for a Technica Sapporo for a manual transmission car. And I am all in. It doesn't exist. It does. It's just, how do you find it? What, do they make one of them? No, they made a few. Two of one, two of three? I don't know. I don't know, but they made a few. Um, But anyway, uh, basically just been working on that really hard because we're going to announce it right now. We're going to go to Radwood, Atlanta. Everybody's super excited for that announcement. At Grid Life. Thank you, Andrew. Hey. (laughs) <laughs> We've got some fans down there. Maybe they want to see us. Um, prepare to be disappointed because we're just two normal dudes. Yep. <laughs> With an old Mitsubishi. Yes. But no, I'm super excited to go. Um, we're going to try to rally it down there like real early Friday morning. Get down there. Enjoy the show on Saturday. Get back in the car Sunday morning and come home. Yeah. Barring any unexpected things, we're going. Yes. Uh, so that's why I've been working so hard to get the Galant sorted. Like, it could drive as it is now. Right, but you want it to be perfect, ideal, not worry about a thing. Yeah. Because um, it's not that much further than the way I drove it to... Um, uh, Tennessee? Yes. And then... It's way less distance than Texas. Texas. Yeah. And... I don't know what other trip you're thinking of. I, well, I'm blanking on the name of the city in Texas that I went to. Austin? Austin. Yes. I was like, Austin? No. Nope, that's That's Boston. in Boston. Weird. I just like, forgot. 
Yeah, that's kind of a big city to forget. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, it's not it's not like it's the capital or anything. But I've been kind of yeah, <laughs> I've been kind of ignoring the Galat over the last couple of years because it was it wasn't running it was uh, running pretty well. You weren't ignoring it; you were just using it. Yeah, and it didn't need a lot of work uh, at all. So I was just doing other project cars that I had cycle in, like the '89 Montero took up a bunch of time to get that back together. Yeah, it did. And and then a bunch of time to try to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I uh, now I've got the '99. I spent a little time on that last summer, but it was. It was working fine, and it's been working fine until... Side note. Yeah. <laughs> I went to get a sticker on it Saturday. So I would like to go back in time and count how many episodes we talked about Andrew trying to get a sticker on two cars, because it continues to be an issue for Andrew. So my two daily drivers both have rejection stickers on them. Yes. However, your Montero has a red rejection sticker on it. Oh, it's got the real bad one. Which, for those who don't live in Massachusetts, when you get the red R versus the black R, technically, legally... You're not allowed to drive it on the street. Oh, see, I will plead ignorance because the guy told me I had 60 days to fix it. Oh, that is not true. That's what he, That's what the guy told me, and that's what I'll claim. Okay, so our police officer friends in the area, when you pull Andrew over, he's well aware of the problems. It doesn't make any sense, <laughs> though, because, like, what are you supposed to do, not drive it to the repair shop? That is exactly what you're not supposed to do. Yeah. So the, I don't know what kind of board it was of inspection stations got together with the state and they said we want to make it illegal to drive on a red rejection sticker and forcibly make them get it fixed at our shop yeah so it was a scheme to make money in fact i thought they were bullshitting me because the truck drove totally fine it drives totally fine yeah until i went and checked it myself and yeah they're they're a little loose they're not bad they're 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 not going to fall apart tomorrow no you'd break another year plus out of them but oh yeah, they do have. They're the t- out of spec as far the, as the tires don't have any weird wear. Yeah, ball joints we're talking about. I don't know if we explained that. Yeah, yeah. lower ball joints. Yeah, lower ball joints. I which thought, is common on Monteros. Yeah, but they seem fine. I thought they didn't understand how to check a drag link suspension or a drag link steering. Okay, which is pretty common. Which is common. I've had people um, before do that with me, where they have they'll shake the wheel left and right, and they'll think it's a you know, a wheel bearing or something, and I'm like, no, that's just the slop in the steering box. It's yeah. totally normal. Yeah, exactly. So, not a big deal. I'll fix it this week. I'll uh, go for a sticker next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've been trying to get through all these pretty quickly so I can get started on the Talon because uh, I finally have intercooler pipes for it to match the intercooler I have yes, for, do. like, four years. So Yes, you do. So now uh, you can make proper power out of the car. Yeah. And Which do is a, a bunch of other stuff. Car, actually. And brakes. All the other fun stuff. Yeah, that car makes a lot of power, probably. I don't know what wheel horsepower would be, but it's not low. Uh, It's probably, it's close to 300. That's it. At the wheels. Yeah. Yeah, and a conservative tune. You could easily make more with that setup. Mm, Very easy. Not really. It doesn't have enough. You need a bigger turbo. Okay, you could easily make more with that engine. Yes. Yeah. It's overbuilt for 300 horsepower. That engine could handle double that. but Yeah. But uh, We're not building drag cars here. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's all my project car updates I've got this week. Uh, I have zero updates, only a couple of minor down dates. Which yeah, is never I good. mean, you actually went on vacation, sort of. I went away camping for a couple of days, so I didn't get anything done. Yeah, you took a time away from working on cars, which is yeah. good sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even drive a Colt or anything. I just went up in my pickup truck. Um, went camping in the White Mountains, in the, along the Kank, as they call it which locals will know is the Kangamangas Highway, a scenic highway in New Hampshire, through the White Mountains. Um, 
But yeah, so I didn't get much car stuff done. However, I did order all the parts to finish the brakes we talked about on the Raider. Yep. Still waiting for them to come in. I thought I had beat the system and got good deals on parts on Amazon with Prime free shipping. Mm-hmm. Last Wednesday when mm-hmm. I ordered them, I'd have them by Friday and could do them over the weekend. And then I got an email Friday morning saying that your parts won't be here until Tuesday. Hmm. So I got home from work today. And I had a package at my front door, and I opened it up, and it was one of two brake hoses, <laughs> which is super annoying. And the tracking number shows the other one coming tomorrow, which they both came from the same seller, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. Weird. Yeah. Super annoying. So I have one or two of those, so I'll have those maybe on the 4th of July during the day. I'll get some time. You and I can tackle throwing the front brakes and that thing. They so definitely drive the friggin' thing. new to send you two. I ordered two. Okay. They knew to send me two. And I looked at my Amazon account when I only got one to make sure I was getting another one. Uh huh. And there is another one in transit. All right. Well, so that's good. Why they would ship two separate orders? God only knows. I but don't they know. Did. So I'll have it by tomorrow night, supposedly, which means we can do it on Wednesday because I already have the calipers. I already have everything else going on. Just need that one last hose. Um, what else happened car wise? Oh, I finally got. Actually. This is our 4th of July episode. The one full American car that I have. Okay. The, oh, the Camaro. Camaro. Yeah. I do have uh, often forgotten about 1968 Camaro SS convertible. It's been... It's part of the TSI SS350 user. That's where it comes from, yes. Because back in the day, I had two cars. I had the TSI Talon and the SS350 Camaro. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's been parked for like two years um, because... A, my life's been kind of crazy the past couple of years, and B, I just haven't had time to work on it because of that. Um, back in the 60s, the factory thought it was a good idea to put a mechanical oil pressure gauge inside the car. Sure. So obviously a mechanical oil pressure gauge needs oil going to it, mm-hmm. um, not to like a sending unit under the hood. So there's a thin plastic tube that runs from the back of the engine block through the firewall into the center console of the car yep. to the gauge, which is in front of the shifter. Um, so if that fails inside the car, you have boiling hot oil faucet in the center console of your car, which is clearly a bad thing. Um, thankfully, mine failed outside of the firewall. It uh, broke on the backside of the engine where yeah. the fitting goes into the block. Yep. So I got that hose with the two inserts on either end. It's like $8. And I just need to find some time to get that thing installed so I can drive the Camaro again. Because we should do some stuff with the Camaro. Because it's like 180 degrees different from everything else that you or I own. Mm -hmm. So it would be interesting to have additional stuff to talk about and do and take pictures of. That's not a Colt or a Galant. So it's a whole different world of cars and car owners in the old muscle car world. I feel like you should change that first on Wednesday. Why is that? Because it seems like it's pretty simple. Yeah, well, a lot of things seem like they're simple, Andrew. We also know how to do brakes like nothing. We've never done the oil line in the back of a gauge in the center console of a 68 Camaro. Can't be that bad. I'm sure it's not. And the car is fully registered, ready to go as soon as that part goes in, so we can actually take it for a celebratory cruise afterwards. Um, so maybe, but I have a few other things to do with that car this year too, that once I get that done, I really want to get done. I have the factory front splitter for it that goes in the bottom, a little like spoiler across the bottom of the front body panel. Tires that fit right? I have wheels that I want to put on it. I need to buy tires for them. Mm-hmm. 
So, one step at a time. But yeah, so that will be out soon, hopefully. So yeah, maybe we'll do that first on Wednesday, who knows. I feel like, though, if we do that first, we're just going to start driving it, and we're never going to come back and finish the Raider. Yeah. <laughs> and I need to get the Raider done, because I need to officially sell my truck so I can have the Raider to drive. So, I do need to do it. Um, the down date, the big down date. And you probably want to use the Raider at the Ringwood Forest Rally, maybe. I don't even care. All I right. use my truck at Ringwood Forest Rally. It's fine. Anyway, regardless. I want to use it all the time, because I like the truck. Mm-hmm. Um, my slight down date happened on the way here. Oh, yeah? It did. That's why I was a couple minutes later than planned. I pulled out of my driveway. Mm-hmm. I got home from work, and I wanted to pick up the dog and bring him here tonight because he'd been home alone all day, and I figured I should give him some, you know, attention because sure he's want, a dog. People wanted to hear him on the podcast. Right, which he's been very good, actually, and he has made a noise. You heard him, like, shake around a little bit. You heard his collar, but that's about it. Um, so I went home, and I dropped my truck off, and I picked up the 78 Colt, and I pulled out of my driveway, yep. and everything was fine. And I crested the hill at my house, and everything was fine. And I stopped at the stop sign at the end of my street. It was everything fine? Everything seemed fine. Okay. Until I accelerated away. And it made a god-awful scraping noise. What would that be? What could this possibly be? So I stopped, and I backed up. Because I didn't know if I ran something over. And it was, like, caught in the front of the car. So I stopped, and I, like, put it in reverse, and I backed up a few feet, and it made the same noise going backwards. Okay. Like, this is not good. So I'm assuming that I'm going to get out of the car and see the exhaust hanging off mm-hmm. the bottom of the car or something similar to that. Yeah. Um, it was the rocker molding. Rocker molding. It has oh, like the these chrome. aluminum, polished yeah, aluminum stainless, yeah, or something. stainless, I don't know what they're made out of, rocker moldings on both sides. Um, and they have these white plastic one-way push clips that go into them. Oh. And over time, they just got brittle and failed. Oh, okay. So it was held on by just the ones in the front and the, all the ones in the back were, on, were broken. And it was just dragging on the ground. Huh. So I took that off, turned around, went back home, and put it on my front porch so I can assess it later and find the right clips to put it back in. And probably replace the ones on the passenger side as well, because I'm sure they're in a similar state. Oh, all um, right. Yeah. So actually, you probably noticed that the back of it had always kind of not fit flush with where in front of the back wheel. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So it just kind of continued to move forward. And I'm thankful it happened on my street and not on the highway on the way here, because yeah. then I probably would have lost it forever. So, and the other car doesn't have one, so I wouldn't be able to replace it easily. So, regardless, that's why I'll replace all the clips on both sides, so I can have it even and not break again. Yeah. So, but actually, when it came off, it revealed a bunch of, like, dirt and stuff that gathered behind it, so I'll clean up what goes back there first, too, because it's probably, you know, 40 years of dirt and grime, because it's probably never been off before, I'm assuming. So, I'll probably bring it to work tomorrow, and go in the clip selection drawer and find something close and make it work. Speaking of running things over. Yes. Nailed a squirrel today on the way home from work. Oh, that's sad, Andrew. We wanted to hear that. I tried, like, he was on the double yellow facing. So he was at fault. The op- Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was at fault because he's on the double yellow facing, like, the opposite side. Like, he's going to keep going. Mm-hmm. So I drove towards the shoulder, and then he turned and ran towards the car. Mm-hmm. His friends told me he was suicidal, so. I bet you didn't actually talk to his friends. I bet you took off and left from the scene like a real jerk. <laughs> I did. Yeah, see? <laughs> I knew I knew what was up. That's actually the second time I've seen, I've heard of you killing an animal on the road, Andrew. When, when was it else? Um, you ran over that like weasel-looking thing in the SDI one night when I was behind you. I didn't see it. You? Oh, I saw it, and it was fucking disgusting. <laughs> 
No, I don't. Rem- I, I can't. I, I kind of remember the story, but I don't remember seeing it. I don't know where what it was. It was like a some kind know. of rodent. It was some kind of road, and it ran across the road, and it went in between your front and rear tires. It was again not your fault, but I was right behind you, and you had the SDI, and it had those wide, sticky tires on it. You were probably in the Mirage or something, probably. Um, but regardless, or my Conquest or something. But regardless, it was like you know when you're a kid and you step on a caterpillar, and all of its guts squeeze to its head and pop out of its head. <laughs> it was pretty much that, and it was disgusting. Yeah, I barely. I hope nobody's that. eating dinner while listening to this podcast because it was, it was quite unfortunate. I had a cat bounce off my car. A cat? It ran, so I <sighs> swerved, and it address hit. all complaints to no, autooftopic at gmail dot com. It hit care the, of PETA. It hit the bumper cover and then took back off. Like it changed directions. Mm-hmm. I was like, Whew. so it was okay. Yeah, supposedly. I would have felt real bad about that, but oh yeah, I can imagine. Like, my grossest one, unfortunately, was that coyote. Oh, that that was a good one. Yeah, that, that like was, nearly annihilated the side, front of your. I, no, I did annihilate the front of my car. It sidelined the car for a couple of days. Yeah, that wasn't very good because I hit that one at like eighty-five miles an hour in the Audi four thousand. Well, <laughs> he was Audi four thousand. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> I believe the line is Audi five thousand. Whatever. Um, but yeah, that was gross because that way that motor is situated in the Audi, the A100 chassis, the radiator's off to the side and the pulleys are right up against the front body panel. So when the thing come running out of the woods, it was either a coyote or a fox. We will put the engine in front of the front axle. Yes. For ideal weight distribution. Um, but anyway, so when the animal hit the front of it, it destroyed all of the grills in the plastic bumper and it actually took the metal body panel in front of the engine and wrapped it around the lower pulley. So it cut all the belts off the car, mm-hmm. and it smashed the fog lights, and it smashed the reflectors in the front bumper, and it smashed the plastic grills in the front bumper, and it smashed the grill at the under the hood in between the headlights, and it was just the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. It was awful. Mm-hmm. Just minding my own business on my way to work on the highway, and he just come out of nowhere. Well, good news is coyotes are kind of a nuisance around here, so... They are. You did us all a favor. I guess maybe, but I still felt bad, and I was mad at the same time because it ruined the front of my car. It probably legitimately did, you know, $1,500 worth of damage if I ever fixed it, but I never did. So That checks out. Well, you know, <laughs> I put a belt on it. That's all I needed. <laughs> so, anyway. Enough murder stories. Scale Project Cars? I have done nothing. You didn't do anything to that RC truck? No. I've been too busy. It's been a super busy week, and we're actually recording early, so we recorded a Wednesday night, then I had Thursday night, and then I went camping for the weekend. So I haven't been around at all to do Should anything. Should have brought it camping. It's not done and running yet, so it wouldn't have worked yet. All right. Whatever. No, I don't have any Scalar Project car updates. I don't either. I have nothing. I haven't yeah, touched anything. unfortunate. A friend of ours uh, is now writing for Scale Project, oh, sorry, Scale Auto Enthusiast Magazine, or Scale Auto Magazine? Scale now? Auto. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome, and he's kind of inspired me to pull some stuff out and start working again. So it's kind of funny and crazy too, because we also had Andy Lienthal on here, who used to write for. Scale he used Auto. to write for Scale yeah, Auto. That's funny. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Such a weird little thing. Maybe we can work ourselves a gig there somehow. <laughs> we do enough scale model stuff. You do. <laughs> well, you have enough to pretend to do it. I do. I just get so frustrated with it. Yeah. Well. Because I get like almost. Um, like I love doing the chassis and the interior, mm-hmm. 
and then the body is infuriating. Yeah, because it needs to be perfect because you're a perfectionist. I guess. No, I'm the or same just, way. It just needs to be like not have fish eyes in it. Well, the problem is when you see somebody else do it and it comes out perfect, you look at yours and you're just like, meh, mine's not as good. No, it's lately it's like something dumb will happen and the paint will be going well and then like it all of a sudden for no reason just pulls on you and you're like, oh, okay, this is annoying. Yeah, a lot of that probably has to do with humidity. Maybe. Because of the area we live in and the times where we're actually working on them. But it's usually very dry because it's the wintertime. Yeah, so. that's true. Oh, regardless, I don't have any good scale project or updates. I do, no, or I talked about the stuff I bought, so I don't even have any new diecast stuff to talk about. Nope. I'm trying not to spend a ton of money on diecasts, because it's really easy to spend your entire paycheck on diecasts, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm trying to be responsible. I suppose. Yeah. It's real easy. Yeah. Like, there's a 143rd Lancer um, Southern Cross Australian rally car. That I really, 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 really want, but I don't mm-hmm. want to spend over a hundred dollars on a diecast car, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to, yet, ever, yet. And it's been warm out, so yet. I haven't touched fours in a while either. No, no, nothing good. Because there was like a cool update. Yeah, some new cars. I guess yeah. were added to it. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. I'm trying to think of what else I've done car wise, but I really haven't done anything. It's been, I kind of decompressed for a little while there. I think, just had to. I was just like, uh, I was super annoyed Saturday because I didn't get anything done on cars that I wanted to get done. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the other thing I did. I can go back to the Galant, the creaking noise from the sway bar. Mm-hmm. So the driver's side, which is where I heard the creaking noise, like basically it sounded like a sway bar bushing was bad and it was moving around in the bracket. Okay. So I go underneath there. Bushing's fine. I know it's pretty new. I replaced it when I did the steering rack. I tightened the bolt up. It did need to be tightened. And I was moving around the pry bar. It wasn't really moving. Took it for a test drive, still make the same noise. Hmm. So is it maybe in the rear? No, it's definitely in the front. Okay. Because you can feel it through the subframe in the floor, the front. Okay. And it's just like over uneven roads and pulling into my driveway. Interesting. And so It's weird how noise carries in a car like that, too. Sometimes it tricks you where you think it's coming from. The only thing I can think of is that it has a tab and a bolt that holds the bracket on. Okay. And maybe when I was installing it, they're a little tricky to get in there. If I bent the tab, and so now it's not, not quite seating, in the right even though it's tight, it's not seating fully against the frame. Yeah, that might do it. Um, it's not loose. There's nothing loose. It's just an annoying noise that I'm trying to solve. Get rid of, yeah. Because it wasn't there before. Yeah. It's funny, speaking to that um, noises moving inside the car, we had a customer at work the other day who we fixed their car on just a minor um, bumper repair. Yeah. And they came back saying the car was making a weird noise in the suspension. Which, you know, we have to check it out because we did work on the car, even if we don't think it's related to the damage that was done to the car from the accident, which it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but we couldn't find anything. We took it for a test drive. We put it up in the air. We checked everything. It was like a 17 Honda. So it was still under warranty. Mm-hmm. So we told her, listen, you should probably take it to the dealer and uh, find out where the noise is coming from. Because it sounded like it was coming from the right front suspension. Mm-hmm. A wheel bearing or something was making noise they shouldn't be making. But it was bizarre because it wasn't any kind of consistency to it. It just occasionally would make noise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not all the time. Um, so we didn't check very far. We just checked around the suspension parts and, you know, the, the obvious stuff that, you know, a 17 Honda might have damage to from maybe a pothole or something. Yep. Uh, and couldn't find anything. So we sent it to the dealer. We get a phone call the next day from her saying that she's at the dealer. The dealer is telling her that she needs to take everything out of her trunk. Yep. And that the noise will go away. 
and deleted them alone. It's not going to happen anymore. Okay. Not going to happen. So she called us, like, very upset. Um, said, listen, just take everything out of your trunk and drive it. And if it hasn't gone away, which we both know it's not going to, take it back to deal with an empty trunk. So she did. And they were insistent that it was going to be something in the back of the car that was banging around, making noise in the front of the car, or seemed like it was making noise in the front of the car because of echoes. Okay. So, turns out she had a broken motor mount on a 17 Honda Civic. Weird. Yeah. Very bizarre. No idea how it happened. The accident the car was in was not hard enough to do any kind of damage like that. It was just a literally a bumper cover replacement. And uh, But yeah, she went back there, was still making the noise. They put like a different tech on it, and he's like, oh, it's got a broken motor mount. So I've never heard of that. The car has like 16,000 miles on it. Yeah, I get a defective part. Yeah, must have been, but... It was just an interesting story where the dealer was like, nope, it's just stuff in your trunk making noise. Get out of here. You're crazy. Well, today my coworker, uh, we did some CV axles in his uh, Rogue because they were blown out. Like Nissan CV axles just explode in those. Okay. Uh, and he had this weird vibration taking off from a stop. And he did his own brakes because he thought maybe the brake rotors were warped. And I was like, yeah. eh, I don't know if that's it. That's not usually, well, accelerating, but, you don't get a ro- uh, rotation. Yeah, a he needed brakes anyway, so he did it over the weekend himself, which was really cool. did it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so then today, at the end of the day, I was like, oh, I'll pull it in. Let's look at it in the lift. Check the front suspension. Everything's tight. And then I noticed that as we were putting it up in the lift and it hit the stop at the top and brought it down, the suspension, would, the um, exhaust was shaking still. Oh, okay. Something was loose in the exhaust then. Yeah, so the front of the exhaust where it crosses under the engine, he had a broken exhaust mount. Okay. So we put him up in the car, put it back up in the air, and I you know, I moved the exhaust around and just the vibration of the exhaust was vibrating through the car. Okay. And it melt it made it feel like the car was shaking because it was just a giant yeah, I can see long that. piece of metal vibrating. And cuz he was doing it cuz I was riding with him and the steering wheel wasn't shaking or anything. I was like it's not through the suspension cuz you'd get it through the steering wheel. Yeah. But it would just, it made the car feel weird because it was this weird oscillation. Mm-hmm. Weird vibration noise. Mm-hmm. So hmm. he's got to bring it to an exhaust shop or something, have it welded up. Excellent. And that should fix it. Yeah, hopefully. It is weird how that happens, though. You know, the older cars get, the more things start to work themselves loose. And Yeah, well, a lot of times on a, a modern car, you'll have dampers on the exhaust to dampen that vibration. Yeah, so it's heavy rub- weights. rubber hangers. They're either rubber or they're heavy metal yeah. weights. And they just kind of counteract those vibrations to the exhaust so it doesn't vibrate through the whole car. So the car gets a better uh, NVH rating on mm-hmm. consumer reports. Yep. But, yeah, whatever. Solved it for him. That's so, cool. Hopefully. Then I've been driving around the Subaru with the tank full because apparently if you keep it full and don't let it go below three quarters, it will set readiness. Oh, so you can get a... Get we, a sticker. We go back to sticker talk. Yeah, I'll get a sticker. And this then, has been sticker talk with Andrew and Brad. <laughs> and then figure it out later. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. never again, because who cares? <laughs> eventually. Commuter car. Eventually, I don't want to. It's like I can spend like $150 and I can program out the code. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it's kind of like I need to know what was wrong with it before I just program out the code. You don't want it to defeat you. <laughs> yeah. I got you on that. I think it's a vent valve. Because I you mean, can that's all that could make sense now at this point. Everything else has been replaced. Yeah, most everything. You can and it's kinda of rusty back there. Apparently on these cars I found out you can there's a green connector under the dash that you connect like when you're flashing it. Mm-hmm. It's a diagnostic connector. 
So you can plug it in, turn the ignition on, and it cycles every relay and solenoid in the car. And finds a faulty one? No, it just cycles them all at once. So if you want to see if one's working, okay, you can literally go find it. So you it go in find the, car the relay and then and like trip it. No, you can like put like your finger on it or like an extension, like of a ratchet on it, and you can feel it click, click. Okay. Like it runs the fans. So if you're curious if the fans are working, that's weird. Yeah, it's kind of a cool thing. Is it on purpose or was it like an just an yeah. after effect or something? No, it's a diagnostic connector. That they have. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's just a. I didn't realize it had it. I didn't no, realize that like was that. what it was for. I only connected it ever to do a flash. No, I like that. That's cool. Um, but when I went back to that vent valve, it it didn't sound like it was clicking. It didn't feel like it was clicking. There's a YouTube video where the guy replaced it and then did it with a power probe, and it like didn't close all the way. Because that's the other annoying thing. So the code is for it's a PO four fifty seven, and it says yeah. fuel cap loose off. What it really should say is gross leak, because that's what that is. So it's like, you know, you start with the basic on that. It's the fuel cap. And then after that, it's a gross leak, which Mm -hmm. would be this little valve, because it lets air out of the canister and into the filter and out of the car. And it should be closed when the vehicle's running Mm -hmm. until it goes to purge. So hopefully it's that. So if it's stuck open, it's always purging, so it's a gross leak. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So I, uh, or if it's not closing all the way, mm-hmm. um, I found one, an OEM one for like 60 bucks, so I ordered it. Yeah, you may as well. It's pretty easy to get to. I'll just swap it out try it. Give it a go. At this point, hmm, whatever. There's only so many more parts in the... Try not to do the parts gun and shoot stuff at it, but uh, I don't know. The smoke machine literally did not point to anything. No, it didn't. It, po- <laughs> it made more questions than it answered, actually, yeah. which was annoying. Yeah. So, oh. whatever. It's like, just S- keep going. So, I do have a small car story. Oh, yeah? Um, not something I worked on, but uh, yesterday my family did their, like, you know, 4th of July barbecue a little early because it was... Um, midweek, 4th of July, so um, we had a little gathering at the house, and a friend of mine was in town from Ontario, Canada, uh, and he has a small collection of cars. I know him because he has NSUs, which is of course obviously an obscure vehicle, when, and anybody who owns them kind of... When you get to the rest of the story, the NSU connection will make perfect sense. Possibly. I mean, he's no. Obscure. It will make exact sense. He's obscure cars in general. Yeah. So his car collection consists of two NSUs. Okay. Uh, a Fiat Dino. Okay. Like the coupe style one, the fastback. That's cool. Yep. Um, a Simca 1000 Rally, which is really cool. Yeah. And the vehicle that he drove down from Ontario with. Okay. So he bought this car two weeks ago. Literally two weeks ago, it was shipped to his house from somewhere on the West Coast. Okay. Very obscure. It's a Tatra, which is a Czechoslovakian car company. Yep. Uh, they still exist to this day. Do they mostly make trucks? They mostly make trucks now, yeah. yes. Uh, I think they ex- exclusively make trucks now. I feel like they win a lot of Dakar. They do a lot in Dakar, yeah. 
Um, they did a sports car in 2000s, but I don't think it went very far. Anyway, so the car he brought was a Tatra 613. Um, Tatra has a very long storied history. Um, actually, the Volkswagen Beetle has a lot of influence from the Tatra motor cars at the time. Really? Yeah. Uh, Porsche was took a lot of Tatra ideas when he made the Beetle. Really? Yeah. So they were... Uh, I think the Tatra 97 was the model. So if you, go, if you Google, if you're at home with the Googles in front of you, Google Tatra 97, and that was the car that influenced um, Ferdinand Porsche in the Volkswagen Beetle. So anyway, so their big, their biggest seller for a long time car-wise was the 603, which came out in the 50s, and then it was replaced by the 613, which is the car that my friend Andy brought by. So he bought this car, a Tatra, in the United States, two weeks ago. Okay. Has a conference in Washington, D.C. that he wants to go to for work and says, I'm not going to fly there. I'm going to drive my recently purchased, in the past couple of weeks, Tatra, almost 2,000 miles each way. Sure. Because that's what one does. Yeah, why not? So he successfully drove from Ontario to Washington, D.C. in the Tatra. Yep. Drove around D.C., Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York, um, and then had his wife fly into Boston on Friday, and he picked her up at the airport in the Tatra, and they did the weekend in Boston and did all the touristy stuff in Boston. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I'm a little jealous. They got to hang out at Charles Gould's place, the guy who runs the microcar festival, who has like 100 microcars in his garage. Oh. So they went there too. But So he had some time on Saturday. They wanted to get seafood in Salem for lunch, mm -hmm. and I said, well, I happen to be in Salem. You should probably stop by my father's garage after you're done so that you can see everything and we can, you know, finally meet in person. We've known each other for like 10 years, um, but more importantly, so that I can see the Tatra. <laughs> yeah. that's really cool. So he shows up with his uh, 1991 Tatra 613, yeah. which may have been the last year. I'm not sure... No, I think it was 95 or 96 was the last year. So it was towards the end of the run because the car came out in 1973. So it was a long run of car. So it's a Tatra 613. Much like an NSU, it's rear engine and air-cooled, which is where you say the NSU connection comes in. But much unlike an NSU, this has a rear engine air-cooled quad cam 3.5 liter V8. That's so weird. Which I can't think of any other air-cooled V8 other than, like, a Tucker in the 40s, which was because it was a helicopter engine. So you open up the back of the car, and it has this big fan that looks like a Porsche 911 fan on the engine to keep the engine cool. Yep. And it has, you know, this exposed belt that runs over the cams, and it's just the wildest thing you could ever think to see. And it sounds... Very interesting because it's a V8, but it doesn't sound like a V8. It sounds like a hot rod Porsche <laughs> somehow. Weird. <laughs> it's just the wildest setup. Um, I don't know what else much to say about it um, other than it's bizarre and I want 10 of them. Well, interesting. So what year was it? His is 1991. So it must have been injected, fuel injected. So according to Wikipedia, I think, it, I think it was later injection versions reached 198 horsepower. Yeah, there's nothing to sneeze at in a little car like that, I guess. It's not a little car by any means. No, the car is enormous. Really? Yeah, 
It's like an 80s S-Class. Really? It's a, it's a really wide and really big. It was designed as like a limousine almost. Hmm. Yeah. You have four overhead camshafts, 3.5 liter, air-cooled V8. I mean, it's it's so bizarre that it's... It's a really weird-looking car. It's like the car you would draw as a kid to draw a sedan. Yeah, kind of. Well, the 603, the car that preceded it, was designed by the communist leaders because, you know, in Czechoslovakia, they had nothing but Russian cars. Right. So they wanted their own car so that their own leaders could have um, their own luxury sedan to be driven around in and not be driven around in another country's cars. Mm-hmm. So communist government said, here is as much money as you need to develop a car. And somehow they came up with a rear engine air-cooled V8 design. Um, the one, the coolest thing he told me about the car, which I have to believe him because he owns the car, is that it has two ignition setups, one electronic and one mechanical, so that in the case of war, if nuclear war, nuclear war, or any kind of EMP happens, you can switch to the mechanical ignition and drive the car away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds about right. Yeah. So it's a really cool car. Um, like I said, the model is a 1991 Tatra 613. Um, Google image search them, and you'll kind of get it. It's a big blue one on steel wheels, mm-hmm. and uh, it's really friggin' neat. Um, it's not pretty. It's not ugly, but it's not pretty. It's not a high-performance car. It's just, it's a car that exists in time. It's a car. And is like, very interesting. Cause it's like, oh, I need to draw a car. You draw one of these. Yeah. Vignale designed the car, so it was designed by like a, you know, reputable design house. It's Italian design? Yeah. Doesn't look it though. It's not pretty. <laughs> it's know? not Italian it looks, pretty. It looks East Eastern European design. It's like Soviet brutalist. Like it's Yeah. So actually the taillights look like they came off of a Mercedes. They didn't because they're bigger, but they're almost exactly like a three hundred D taillight. So weird. Yeah, it's a bizarre car and it's a big car and it's a manual transmission too. Huh. And it's got the like reverse, at least the picture I see here. It's got the reverse accessories, like a Citroen. What do you mean? Where the accessories, like, you know how like an alternator will have the pulley towards the front of the engine and the body of the alternator is like on the engine block side. Okay. Same with like the AC compressor and everything. And the picture of it here, you're running the accessories like the alternator, the AC compressor, the body of those faces away from the engine. So it's like a shared belt near the front of the crankshaft area, but probably because of the flat design. It's it's not a flat. It's a V. Oh, it's not. Oh, yeah. yeah you said V8. It's a V8. Yeah, just for packaging. The so the alternator and stuff look like they're on the bottom. No, they're like pointed away from the engine. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. So it runs a common belt with the. It's very much crank, like a but... Citroen, an early Citroen. Yeah, it's for packaging. Yeah. Because there's no room for it to put it next to the engine because it's covered with all kinds of cooling shields and stuff. Yeah. So there's, there's a bunch of ductwork that goes around the engine to run like the same kind of heater in like a Volkswagen. Yeah, because it must have individual jugs over the cylinders mm-hmm. to cool them. Man, what a strange thing. It's very bizarre, but it's very cool. And I, I didn't Man, get I'm a chance glad, to drive it. I'm glad you called me to look at it. It was a very whirlwind thing. It kind of <laughs> happened... <laughs> He was there within 30 minutes of talking about it, and he was gone within, you know, another hour. So, yeah, now I want to see one. 
Oh, we'll have to take a ride to Ontario and take a look at it because we're welcome anytime. Weird. Totally weird. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. He's got some really cool cars, and um, he's definitely a cool guy to talk to. And I'd love to get him on the podcast at some point. Go get some NSU parts from him. Uh, he has garagefuls, so he's definitely a good guy to talk to. Anyway, interesting story to end the podcast on. Yeah, we'll call that podcast. So as always, you can follow us on Off Topic Podcast on Facebook, on Off Topic on Instagram. You can follow me, Race and Anger, on Instagram. You should follow me. Yeah, really? Yeah, they should. Maybe on Instagram if they can remember your username. T- <laughs> just search Brad. It'll probably come up. Just Brad. Just Brad. <laughs> that's all you need to search. Um, Brad. Oh, that's, Brad. <laughs> that's the Brad I want. Actually, if you go to the auto off topic page, the, I'm linked enough times there you can find it. Yeah. But anyway, it's T S I S S three five zero. That's right. Um. Yeah. So uh, if you like the podcast, leave us a rating. Subscribe to us. I'll uh, try to post a picture again this week. And uh, I'll send you a picture of the Tatra. Yeah, you should. Yeah, they're at home on the camera. So. And um, as always, keep your cars analog and aim for the roses. Good night.